Chapter 10 of Concerning Grace and Free Will by St. Bernard of Clairvaux Translated by Watkin Williams This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That through Christ the likeness which properly belongs to the divine image is restored in us. But in this world the likeness could nowhere reasonably be found, nay, rather the divine image would here still lie filthy and defaced, were it not that the woman of whom the gospel tells should light her candle, that is to say, unless he who is wisdom were to appear in the flesh, and turn inside out the house of sins, and seek again the peace which he had lost, namely, his own image, which, despoiled of its native beauty, encrusted with the filth of sin, lay hidden as it were in the very dust, and when found should cleanse it to its first fair state again making it like unto the saints in glory, nay, rather, should make it in all respects like unto himself, when the word of Scripture should be fulfilled, which saith, We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And in truth, whom did such a work befit better than the Son of God, who, seeing that he is the effulgence of the Father's glory, and the essential form of his very being, upholding the universe by his word, manifested himself, endowed with full power of the twofold work of restoring what was deformed and strengthening what was weak, putting to flight the darkness of sin in the effulgence of his Godhead, and restoring wisdom, and by the virtue of his word giving power against the tyranny of evil spirits. He came, therefore, the very essential form of God, to whom the free choice of man had to be conformed. For in order that it might receive again its original form, it needed to be reformed from the same source from which it had been formed. But the form is wisdom. The confirmation consisteth in the image doing that work in the human body, which the form doth in the whole world. Now that wisdom reacheth from one end to another mightily, and sweetly doth it order all things. It reacheth from one end to another, that is to say, from the highest heaven to the depths of earth, and from the greatest angel to the very least of worms. But it reacheth mightily, not indeed by digressive motion or by local diffusion, nor merely by official administration of created life, its subject, rather by a certain essential and omnipresent strength, whereby indeed he moveth, ordereth, and governeth the whole universe most potently. And all this he doeth by no necessity that compelleth him. Nor in these matters doth he work with any difficulty, but with a tranquil will he ordereth all things sweetly. In very truth he reacheth from one end to another, that is, from the origin of created life, even unto the end appointed for it by the Creator, whether it be the end to which fallen nature impels it, or that which judgment hastens, or that which grace concedes. He reacheth from one end to another mightily, seeing that none of these ends is reached that doth not foreordain it, as he willeth, by the power of his providence. Therefore let free will seek to rule its own body, even as wisdom ruleth the world, itself also reaching from one end to another mightily, to wit, giving its commands to each sense, and to each member with such authority, that it allow not sin to reign in its mortal body nor yield its members as weapons to iniquity, but rather present them for the service of righteousness. Thus no longer will the man be the servant of sin when he doeth not sin, from which, indeed set free, he will now begin to recover freedom of counsel, and to vindicate his dignity, 
while he clotheth himself with a likeness befitting the divine image in himself, yea, restoreth his ancient comely state. But let him take heed that he do this not less sweetly than mightily, that is to say, not of sorrow or of necessity, which is but the beginning, and not the fullness of wisdom, nay, rather with a ready and a cheerful will, which maketh a sacrifice accepted, seeing that God loveth a cheerful giver. And thus in all things he will follow the example of wisdom, both withstanding vice mightily, and being sweetly at rest in conscience. But in truth we need also the help of him by whose example we are incited to such conduct as this in order plainly that by means of him we may be conformed unto him and be transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord therefore if it be by the spirit of the lord that this is brought about it is no longer by free choice let no one then think that free choice is so called because with equal power or facility it concerneth itself with good and evil seeing that it was indeed able to fall by means of itself but not to rise again save by means of the spirit of the lord otherwise neither god nor the holy angels for they are in such sense good as not to be able to be evil nor again the fallen angels for they are in such sense evil as not to be able to be good could be said to possess freedom of choice nor moreover shall we lose freedom of choice after the general resurrection when undoubtedly we shall have been inseparably associated some of us with the good other of us with the evil angels for the rest neither god nor the devil lacketh freedom of choice for it is no weak necessity but a will strong in the good and a free strength of purpose which maketh it impossible for the former to be evil and that the latter is unable to long after the good no violent force of another affecteth but his own will stubborn in evil and his own free obstinacy therefore then freedom of choice is so called rather because whether in doing good or in doing evil it maketh the will equally free for neither ought nor can any man be said to be either good or bad except in so far as he is willingly such on this reasoning he will fittingly be said to be equally situated towards good and towards evil because plainly he has not indeed equal facility in preferring but equal freedom in willing the one or the other end of chapter ten